back to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Tuesday, Tuesday night, as I'm recording this. Following Denver's second off to Hannah Rose, it was very nice, very pleasant over the course of these past couple of days uh, to, to take a little bit of a break after... Well, for first time in a while, I think maybe first time all season that the Nuggets specifically have had three games in four days at home. Uh, and you could tell. You could tell that they were pretty tired after the Sunday night game. You could tell on today, Tuesday at practice, that everybody was happy. Everybody was uh, excited to get back into the building to have a practice. This was the first practice. We're talking about practice here. It was the first practice that the Nuggets have had in two months that has been open to the media. That is insane. That is an insane thing to say. And part of it is because of the schedule. Part of it is because of the new era NBA where they are having fewer and fewer practices overall, but also fewer and fewer practices available to media in general. Uh, not having like, it's not really okay that this is the only time that we actually get to speak to coaches and players at, at an outside of a game setting, I think is probably the way to, the way to put it because coaches and players are often a lot more willing to talk. They're often a lot more willing to discuss different things when they don't have the pressure of a game, even either before or, uh, afterwards, it's crazy to think about, and I'm glad that we were able to speak to them. I, I actually got there just a little bit late, uh, but I, I got the the audio file from from good friend of the program, um, um, Vinny Benedetto. And I wanted to be able to talk with everybody and kind of just share news and notes from practice, news and notes from today, from the past couple days, uh, just general what we're, what we're thinking is going to happen for this Nuggets team as they're already 42 games into the season, and we can really start to think about, okay, what is this team going to really look like? How are they going to handle uh, some of these returns? And what's actually going to happen to this Nuggets team when when they have a practice, when they could take a little bit of a breath? I think that's a very important piece to this thing. But uh, beyond that, I, I did some lineup data uh, searching today, and, and I wanted to share some of my findings, share some of my thoughts on the lineups that the Nuggets are playing right now and some of my takeaways after watching, after looking at the stats, watching some clips, trying to figure out what's going on and just kind of do a little bit similar to what Adam does for uh, his notebook episodes over at DNVR, but uh, not as much like Walking you through the play, just more of hey, this is what I found when I when I saw what this what this was going on, and here's what I found from the stats. So let us get into that in the second segment. But first, let's talk about practice. Uh, this was a good practice. Everybody had a good positive vibe. Uh, Marcus Howard was reportedly recalled from the G League. He will be available tomorrow, which is pretty cool. Uh, Austin Rivers is also off the injury report. He was playing uh, one-on-one with Bones, one-on-one with Stephen Graham, uh, one of the Nuggets player development coaches after practice. So he should be good to go. Austin Rivers should be good to go. Uh, Jermichael Green wasn't there. He was still in health and safety protocols. And that doesn't look like that's changing 
before the game tomorrow. Um, but we're gonna, we're just going to see. We're going to have to see how this team looks with some reinforcements coming back. Uh, it seems like one player comes, one player goes is, is really how it's going right now because Bull Bull just had surgery as well. There's been a lot of talk about Bull Bull, and there's been a lot of talk about the overall situation that is sort of unfolding with him and, and how it's been portrayed, I think, publicly is different from how it is privately. Uh, but what I will say is him getting the surgery, uh, it was reported today by Sham Sharania and later confirmed by Michael Malone uh, that he is going to have surgery. He had the surgery today. And he's going to be out indefinitely, according to the Nuggets. And Sham said eight to 12 weeks, but I I would not count on him playing again this season. Uh, Eight weeks would put him at mid-March. 12 weeks would put him at mid-April. And once you get to that point, like there's no reason to try to get him back into the fold. Um, There was definitely arguments on both sides of whether he actually needed the surgery or not. It's clear that the Nuggets thought he was healthy. It's clear that they had a reason to think that he was healthy. Uh, it's also clear that Detroit had identified something wrong, and and Bull getting a surgery, I think, is a, a pretty strong indication that there, there may have been something wrong, or at least it kind of points people in that direction. I'm not going to sit here and argue with his decision to go get a surgery, but I don't think that... I think there's enough people within the Nuggets organization and kind of surrounding the, uh, that that don't necessarily think that it was needed, that don't necessarily think it was necessary, that he was perfectly capable of playing tomorrow, if that's what they wanted. Uh, that's not what happened, and he's going to be out recovering from that surgical procedure, and I think that was purposeful, and so hopefully he doesn't have this impact as restricted free agency. Hopefully he's still able to have somebody take a chance on him. Um, But I think that this was just a situation that was completely screwed on every side. I don't think that Bull approached things the correct way. I don't think that the Nuggets met him. Or, well, they did try. Like, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that they tried. They got him to the G League before the bubble. Uh, they gave him opportunities out of the bubble. They gave him opportunities in training camp to win a, a rotation spot. And he and that was that was last year, out of last year's training camp. He never put in the defensive work that they wanted him to put in. He never grabbed a single offensive rebound last year. Uh at seven foot two. And this year, he clearly didn't want to shoot. He wasn't like he had several instances where he was passing up shots, passing up opportunities, trying to really make plays for the team. And it just doesn't seem like things were going that well. So I'm not going to be disappointed when the Bull Bull saga is over. I have a feeling that it's going to be over pretty soon after the trade deadline. Uh, whether another team trades for him as like he's he's got surgery, so he doesn't have any trade value right now, and he didn't have any before. So all he is is matching salary at this point and restricted free agent rights. 
So whether a team sees him as somebody that they want to take a chance on, whether they want to uh, do some other things with him and whether he be, stays in Denver or not. Like I, I have a feeling that this is going to be not the last thing that we hear about the bowl bowl situation. And it just doesn't seem very good. It seems very unhealthy. And I hope that he gets the support and help and uh, playing time that he clearly needs somewhere else. But it's it's just not going to happen in Denver. Um, after that low vibe, the vibes do remain positive. I, I do want to stress that the bull wasn't here at, at practice today. He um, He hasn't been with the team. And I'm not surprised that he hasn't been. Uh, but the vibes with the rest of the group feel very positive. Uh, Bones said that he thought that the Nuggets hadn't played their best basketball yet and that that was still ahead of them. And I agree. I think that if it's possible that you get back Jamal Murray and Michael Porter, that the the vibes can be really, really positive when those guys return. And you start to realize, oh, yeah, we've got a we've got a pretty deep team when it's actually healthy. It looks pretty good when it's actually healthy. Um, Michael Malone also addressed some trade speculation and what Denver's approach would be heading into the trade deadline. He said to not expect a big move, that that's not something that they really could consider, given that they haven't seen uh, the entire roster play together. They want to see this group, and they want to see whether they can prove how competent they are at full strength. Now, they're never going to be at full strength. Jamal Murray will just be coming back. Michael Porter will just be coming back. Uh, P.J. Dozier's out. So it's it's not like this group is going to be completely full strength, but can they still win a series or two or three or more? Yeah, they definitely can if those guys are back, if those guys are involved, and if they get enough reps underneath them that you could really realistically trust them in the playoffs. Yeah, I think they can. Um. So what does it mean to not make a large move, but potentially make a small move? Uh, because I think that that's where Denver's going to be sitting. They're going to try to fill in the gaps, fill in the margins. And what is the biggest margin right now? I think it's replacing P.J. Dozier. I think it's competently doing that and or finding a backup center option. Now, Denver has found some decent options in recent weeks. Uh, Jeff Green has been really good staggering with the group. Zeke Naji has been a good, or well, competent uh, defensive center, I think. Uh, still needs to keep rebounding, keep playing hard. But I do think that when he's not playing Rudy Gobert exclusively, he has been pretty good. Uh, still need to see him in more of a role, but I do think that he has some potential with that. Um, and also Aaron Gordon staggering. Jamichael Green will come back and we'll see what he looks like when he returns. Uh, I do also think that DeMarcus Cousins could potentially be on the horizon. I don't want to spoil anything here, but uh, he, he is not far away from, from what I understand. Um, but what does a small move look like? If you just go through the roster, it's pretty clear what a small move looks like. Jokic, Murray, Porter, Gordon, those guys are not moving. 
Those guys are not uh, being traded. Monte Morris, Will Barton, Jeff Green, those guys are all probably safe. They've all filled in as good, great starters. Not great. Mostly filled in as good starters during this stretch and been pretty good. Uh, I think a big move would constitute moving one of those guys and trying to upgrade upon them. Uh, I don't think that that's going to happen. I think that Denver wants to maintain that stability because I think those three players beyond Jokic and Aaron Gordon have been the most stable. And then you get back Jamal Murray and Michael Porter, and you've suddenly got a pretty strong seven-man group there. And you're just probably looking to add to that. Now, Bones Highland, he's probably safe. I don't think that Denver moves him. I think that they're still very high on him. They want to see what he can do. The energy that he provides and the shooting that he provides is very important for this group. So that's eight. Eight out of 17. Who could I be talking about then? Well, four of them, Zeke Naji, Jamichael Green, Austin Rivers, Faku Campazo, those four I think are players you could probably feel like you could upgrade upon at various points, uh, whether it's at the backup center spot with going above Naji and Green, whether it's on the wing upgrading over Austin Rivers, or whether it's a point guard and upgrading over Faku Campazo. Uh, I do think that Denver could consider any of those things. I think that the most likely upgrade is probably over Austin Rivers, because if you get back Jamal Murray, you're pushing Monte Morris to the second unit, and then you've got Bones as a reserve point guard, and you probably feel okay about that. I I wouldn't necessarily feel that bad in that case, Uh, but Faku would also be a reserve point guard too, so... He's better as a third guard than or third point guard than he is as a second point guard. I think that seems pretty clear. Um, but Davon Reed and Marcus Howard as two-way contracts, they don't really have any value, so not not really looking to trade them up, move them, upgrade upon them. And then PJ Dozier, Vlako Chanchar, Bull Bull, they're all injured, and they will probably have no value to any team that is trying to acquire them because I don't think you can realistically think that Dozier or Bull would provide value to another team when they're not going to play. Same thing with Vlaco, though he could he could probably come back a little bit sooner than maybe one of the others, but still think that that's probably the case. So you're looking at Zeke Naji or Jermichael Green as a potential trade chip, and you're looking at Austin Rivers or Faku Campazo as a potential trade chip. I think you're looking at P.J. Dozier, Vlako Chanchar, Bull Bull as potential salary filler in a deal. And then you've got second rounders that you can move or potentially a first rounder in 2027 or 2028. It's probably all you got. It's probably all you have to work with. And it's not a lot. Let's be frank. This is not a massive upgrade that the Nuggets are looking for because they don't have a massive upgrade to pay for. The real question is probably whether you are willing to give up on Zeke Naji or not. Because he seems like a player that Denver would like to keep around as a an elite three-point shooter off the catch. Somebody who can play the four or the five defensively, maybe even the three Uh, 
there's a lot of utility in that. If you put him next to an elite playmaker, maybe he's a good play finisher. That seems like a pretty good option. We haven't seen Jamal Murray play with Zeke Naji a lot. We also haven't seen Monte Morris play with Zeke Naji a lot, so maybe there's something to that. Um, But I do think that if, if you're looking for an upgrade somewhere, it's probably over backup center with Jamichael Green, a backup wing over Austin Rivers, or a backup point guard over Faku Campazzo. That's my guess. Uh, we will see what they ultimately do. But I think that the replacement for B.J. Dozier at backup wing, probably the most important thing. Denver does have Davon Reed. They like Davon Reed, and if they trust him, then super. Uh, he is a two-way contract, though, so he isn't going to be able to play in the playoffs unless they convert that deal. So they really do need somebody on a guaranteed contract that is going to be able to do that. Whether that's Davon Reed or not, that remains to be seen. But I am very curious to see what they do. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about... Oh, let's do some lineup talk. But first, this podcast, as you know, we've been brought to you by DraftKings before. And we are now brought to you by DraftKings once again. We're on to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. And DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL, they are celebrating with a huge odds boost. For new customers, counting down to Super Bowl 56, you can get 56 to 1 odds on any team. If you bet just $5, you get 280 in free bets if your team wins. If you're not a new customer, you can still get in on the action of this divisional round with same-game parlays, where you can combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you win. DraftKings, as you know, they're safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So make sure to download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS to get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5, win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code MHS. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Final segment. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you could, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. I really appreciate all of you. Really appreciate the reviews and the the ratings that have come in. Uh, Loving to see that number continue to grow. Uh, Helps me grow the program and helps show the powers that be that this matters and that this community is really good. So, Thank you so much for tuning in as always. All right. I promised lineup data, and here's what I'm going to do. I went searching this afternoon, this evening, for good topics for this podcast, for good information that I could share with the group, that I could share with everybody. And, And just one of the things that I think people misrepresent about me 
is that I'm just stuck in the spreadsheet. I'm just stuck in the stat sheet, not necessarily watching games, not necessarily doing any of that. Uh, there was a little bit of truth to that with me growing up a little bit where I didn't always have access to the games. And so I would track the box scores. I would track the stats. That was the best way that I felt connected. And I was willing to do, to do the work and try to figure out the data, try to figure out the solutions. And the more I looked at it, the more I realized that not enough people in the Denver market were doing it. So that's what I started doing. Uh, started doing. I started being the stats guy. I, I did stat of the week. My podcast on Denver Stiffs was Nuggets Numbers. And that worked well for me for a long time. But when I became the site manager, one of the things that I wanted to stress was that I wasn't just going to do stats anymore. I wanted a more holistic coverage, wanted to be able to do other things. And I think that I have. And I've gone to so many games, people. Like I, I, I know that a lot of people are more like, oh, he's definitely watching this game from, or not watching this game, but he's checking this game from the spreadsheet or whatnot. But I watch every single game. And most of the stats people that you that many folks um, argue with and say that they don't watch the games, most of them have multiple games pulled up at any given time. They are watching the games. They're they're checking the data as well. But they're trying to figure out why the data says what it does. And that's where I'm trying to do right now. I am trying to figure out why the Faku Composite lineups suck. Why are they so bad? Is it just as simple as the Nuggets are not making enough shots while he's out there? Um, or is it something different? And, and one of the things that I looked at was the Faku Gordon Jokic lineup. Because I think that it's kind of crazy that the Aaron Gordon, Nicole Jokic duo, when they're with the starters, when they're playing with the starting group, Monte Morris, Will Barton, Jeff Green, they're really good. They, they have a really, really good net rating. Let me just pull it up right now. I, I didn't actually note this before but because I was doing a lot of um, Jokic off stuff. Um, and I'll talk about that just a little bit here. But in non-garbage time minutes, and, and here's this is from Cleaning the Glass. Cleaning the Glass is a great site. Um, in 1,915 total possessions, the Aaron gordon Nikola Jokic duo has a plus 10 net rating, which means that they score 10 points more than the opposing team per 100 possessions. That is in the 93rd percentile of all lineups, which means it's fantastic. It's very good. It's borderline elite. It might actually be elite for, for that number of possessions. It actually might be. Um, but the biggest indication that something is going wrong is when you add Faku Campazo into that group. You know, that lineup that is plus 10 in 1,915 possessions. The Faku Gordon Jokic lineup is minus 9 in 376 possessions. That's a much smaller chunk. That is a smaller sample size. I would say that's about, I don't know, 20% of the entire sample. But that means that in the lineups, in the minutes that Faku is off the court, that Gordon and Jokic are even better than a plus 10. Something is going on 
in the Faku Gordon Jokic lineups where things aren't good, where they aren't just doing well, where they aren't doing very well. They're not doing as well as they could be given the talent of Jokic, given the talent of Gordon and everybody else in that lineup. And this isn't a one-year thing because last year, this lineup was a plus 1.9 net rating in 787 minutes or possessions, which is fine. But what you find when covering the Nuggets, when covering Jokic, is that all of those lineups are really good. All of those lineups are good because he's out there. So if you have one that is less good, or if you have one that is extremely good, then you want to find out why. You want to find out what in those minutes happened. And here's what's happening right now with the Faku Gordon Jokic minutes. Denver is not good offensively. They're not good defensively. And the biggest reason why is the turnovers. Denver turns the ball over on 18.6% of their possessions when Faku, Gordon, and Jokic are on the court. And that's awful. That is in the zero percentile. It is the worst number in the league, or at least close to it for lineups that have actually played time together. Imagine being in the zeroth percentile, not the first percentile, not the second percentile, the zeroth, if that's even a word. That's insane. And the turnovers are often a result of not being able to space the courts, because when Denver does get a shot off, they actually shoot pretty efficiently. They do a pretty good job of cutting to the rim, giving Jokic some options, and then he'll find some occasional cutters, he'll find some occasional spacing for himself. Sometimes he'll pop out to three. Uh, Sometimes somebody else will shoot well. I'm pretty sure on PvP stats, though, that lineup is about 30.1% from three. So any players that are on the court with Faku, Gordon, and Jokic, those five-man lineups turn into 30.8% from three. Or maybe it's 30.1. I think it's 30.08, which is 30.1. So it's not good. 35% is about average. You want to be above that. You want to be, especially when Jokic is out there, you want to be able to space the court around him so that he can do his thing. But the Nuggets are turning the ball over. They turn it over a ton. They don't rebound their misses. They don't get on the the offensive glass or anything. They don't get to the free throw line. But the worst part of it is that they turn the ball over a ton more than everybody else. I am in the middle of my podcast recording, and I am currently seeing... (laughs) Jesus Christ. Oh, okay. I am currently seeing that the Nuggets are in a three-way trade. This just came through. This just came through. Let me just uh, tell everybody, somebody get this. I'm podcasting now. Um... Okay, so the Nuggets just made a three-team trade with Denver, or Denver, Boston, and San Antonio. We're, we're pivoting immediately. This matters much more. Denver is trading Bull Bull and P.J. Dozier to the Boston Celtics. 
Juancho Hernan Gomez is going to the Spurs. And Bryn Forbes is coming to Denver. This is hilarious because uh, there was a rumor earlier today, or actually over the weekend from Michael Scotto, that the Nuggets had displayed some interest in Bryn Forbes, that they were hoping to they were hoping to add him to their group. Maybe not maybe not hoping to add him, but they clearly have hoped to add him. Um Bryn Forbes. That is an interesting addition to the Nuggets. He is a shooting specialist. There's no other way to say it. Uh, the Nuggets have needed shooting. They talked about shooting. And it's funny. Nikola Jokic says uh, in the post game on Sunday night, the whole world knows that we can't shoot. The whole league knows that we can't shoot. And they go and get like the only guy who you could consider as a lethal shooter that they could get for pretty cheap. This is very interesting. Very, very interesting. Okay. Marcus Howard spent, or not Marcus Howard. This is Marcus Howard plus. Bryn Forbes has been in the league for a long time. This is his sixth year. He's been back with San Antonio. And he is a career 41.3% three-point shooter. He comes off of screens. He comes off of DHOs. He spots up. Does a lot of good things as a shooter. Doesn't do a lot of other things. And I think that's pretty important to note. Um, that he's he's not really much of a shooter other than that, or not really much of a player other than his shooting. He can be taken advantage of defensively. He can he doesn't really average that many steals or blocks. Uh, not a very physical player, not a big player. What is he listed at? He's listed at six foot two, two hundred and five pounds. I would guess that that's more six foot or six foot one, and then one ninety five. So you're getting a very like you're getting a small point guard, pretty much, but he's more of a shooting guard. And this is going to be very interesting because Denver has needed the shooting help. They've absolutely needed somebody who could space the floor on the second unit. And that's why when Marcus Howard came into the game and he was playing pretty well with the Nuggets, you could really see uh you could really see the impact at times of how that would work, of how when Faku was on the court, he was setting up Bryn Forbes when he was setting up uh, Bones Highland. Being able to set up both of those guys was pretty good. This way, though, Denver is adding somebody for relatively cheap. Uh, Bull Bull, PJ Dozier. I think this is a very interesting move from Denver's perspective. Um, this frees up a roster spot if you're keeping track of that at home. Uh, the money situation of this, yeah, he's on a $4.5 million contract by the looks of things. Um, let me just make sure to check that um, year over year. Yeah, this is a one-year $4.5 million contract that uh, San Antonio signed with the room exception. So Bull Bull's deal combined with P.J. Dozier's deal is it's not much more like 4.5 million is not much more than what those two make combined. PJ, for whatever reason, is not listed with his actual money there, uh, but he does have a contract. It's like 1.9. Uh, yeah, this is it's crazy to, to think that. Okay, yeah, I have a 1.9, and then Bull Bull was also listed. Oh, it's funny, I updated this tab cap sheet before. Uh, 
Okay. So either way, initial thoughts on this trade, Bull Bull, B.J. Dozier, they were not helping the Nuggets this year. Mark, uh, Not Marcus Howard. I keep saying Marcus Howard because I want to call him Marcus Howard. Uh, Bryn Forbes could potentially help the team. I think there's a very strong reason why they did this deal. They wanted to get Bull Bull out of there. They were hoping to facilitate this. They were hoping to get some shooting. They got some shooting. They got another small guard, and it's going to be tough to play defense in the second unit if they keep getting these small guards. Uh, but I am very curious to see what this does to the rotation. Man, what is Faku Compazzo going to do? What is Bones Highland going to do? Uh, clearly, the Nuggets are very high on Bones Highland, and he played 36 minutes last game. We've seen Faku play big minutes, too. We've seen these guys play big minutes before. Um, you can't play big minutes to Faku Compazzo. Bones Highland, and Bryn Forbes off the bench. That's just not viable. The defense is not going to be able to handle it. Guaranteed. So maybe you can experiment a little bit. Maybe you can experiment with Bones Highland and Bryn Forbes at the one and the two. Maybe you can experiment with Faku and Bryn Forbes at the one and the two. Just know that Bryn Forbes is more of a two. He's not a one, even though he is the size of a one. So he's going to be pretty difficult to fit into some of these uh, mixes for Denver uh, if they really want to get him some playing time. But it is very interesting. I, I am very curious to see what they do with that. Very curious to see what they do with the open roster spot. I think they might give a contract to DeMarcus Cousins. That would be my initial guess. Um, but I don't have any inside information on that. I just know that DeMarcus Cousins has been around. Uh, but either way, we're going to see how this plays out. I'm, I'm very curious. I will try to bring on a San Antonio person, somebody very familiar with Bryn Forbes' game, to be able to talk about him, to be able to talk about what he does well, what he doesn't do well, and then we can talk about that on this podcast later. But either way, interesting way to kind of shift around the back end of the bench. Interesting way to to turn what was not dead salary, but pretty close to dead salary into something positive. I think this says a lot about what they think of Davon Reed. It's possible that they convert him for that full-time roster spot now that they have it. Um, but we're going to see. We are going to see. This is very interesting. I'm really interested. All right, that is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, once again, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. Uh, I will be back Wednesday night following the Nuggets game on Wednesday against the Los Angeles Clippers as Denver tries to, um, as they try to figure things out with their team. And if they could bounce back from scoring 85 points against the Clippers this last game. We'll see if they could do more. Thank you so much for tuning in. Talk to you guys very soon.